Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. For the record, I don't have it all together. And I say that to you today because we, it's interesting as we meet people who God brings to our church, sometimes your friends, family, other times just people that God brings in off the street. Uh, what we find out is, is that people often struggle with feeling like they are inadequate. You know I mean, they've, they've just walked into a church, and they look around, and they, and they see everybody else, and everybody else looks like they what? Have it all together. <laughs> How many of you would say, I don't quite have it all together? Okay. <coughs> but God does. The Lord Jesus Christ does have it all together. And so as we turn to him and look to him and, and yield to him and let him have his way in our lives, his altogetherness begins to rub off on us and bring our lives to where they need to be. Such good news. <laughs> I mean, if he left us to ourselves, that's really bad news. But he hasn't left us to ourselves. Father, thank you for all these things we've been singing about as we worship. Thank you for the truth that you are all that we need, everything that we need. That in you we find all the answers to life's problems. And as we yield ourselves to you, we experience the truths of your word. And uh, so we ask, Lord, as we consider your word here today, that you would speak to us, that your spirit would really zero in on, Lord, each of us, where we're at, what we need to hear, and how we need to respond. Be glorified in us in this. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we, a couple of weeks ago, we started a new sermon series entitled, Why? And we talked about that the why question, a very, very important question to answer, to know the answer to, because it really helps us to, to understand and then make application of the things that are true. And in this sermon series, what we're doing is we're looking at some, some really big spiritual truths that, that are going to affect our faith. And also we're going to be looking at some very practical truths that are going to uh, impact how we live out our faith, what we do. And so our, two weeks ago, our first message was on, um, if you want your life to make sense, start with God. Why God? Well, if you want your life to make sense, you better start with God, because if you start anywhere else, with anything else, you start with the material universe, you start with nothing, you start with anything else, at some point, all of a sudden, there's going to be a train wreck Logically, there's going to be a train wreck in how this works out in your life because it's not going to make sense. The only thing that will make sense of your life is when you start with God. And then last week we talked about why the Bible. What's the big deal with the Bible? And we really came down to the fact that, that the Bible is what the Bible says it is. Jesus, the one who rose from the dead, believed that the Bible was inspired scripture that is what God has given us to to uh, understand and to live by that would accomplish his purposes in our lives. And so uh, we said, but if you want to benefit from the Bible, if you, if you want to benefit, the only way to benefit is to let the Bible be the Bible in your life. 
In other words, you have to let it have that role in your life. You let it, have to let it have, be the final authority for what you believe and do. All right? and, and you will benefit from it then. So talking about our lives making sense and, and benefiting from the Word of God. But what I want to just take a little bit of time to talk about today before we, we open up the Word is, is this. And it's a human tendency, but it's also because of the day and time in which we live and the culture in which we live. If we aren't careful, we miss the point of all this. And here's what I mean. We start thinking this way. Oh, it's so important. I want my life to make sense. I want to make my life to make sense. So, okay, all right. So I got to start with God. Or, boy, I really want to benefit. I want my life to benefit. I want my life to be better. I want, you know, fewer problems. I want more wisdom. So, all right, well, I'm going to, I'm going to you know, look to the Bible. And, and here's what I'm trying to get you to see, is that, and I'll have to elaborate on this a little bit with you, but when we do that, we have missed the point because we have started to worship ourselves instead of God. Who we are and how we feel and what we like and what's happening to us becomes more important to us than whether or not we're glorifying God. Now, so I don't know if that makes sense to you. <laughs> because is it good for your life to make sense? I mean, is that a nice thing? Yes, but what I wanna say to you is this, that God is more important than life making sense to you. And so if you relegate God to a role in your life, well, I let God in my life so my life will make sense. Who's most important to you? You are. Well, I'll look to the Bible because it makes my life better. You ought to be looking to the Bible because God of the universe, the holy God who you rightfully are guilty for your sins before has given you the word and told you that you need to live by it. You see the difference? And so all of these things, we, we, if we aren't careful as Christians, I mean, go into the Christian bookstore, and there's so many awesome resources, so many valuable resources, and, and if you keep it right, you know, in your heart and mind before God, it's fine, but you're going to go in there, and it's going to talk about how to have a happy life, how to have a happy wife, uh, how to, uh, you know, get ahead financially, how this, how this, all this kind of thing. And the problem is, is it, if we aren't careful, this whole Christianity thing starts to become about getting me a better life. Getting you a better life. And when we genuinely think biblically and we genuinely surrender to God, it is true. When you live the Christian life glorifying God, that's your purpose, and, and you live it the way he says, you do get a better life. Ah, but not necessarily the way you think when you're thinking the other way. Because when you follow Christ, you just might get yourself crucified. But it's still a better life. So we have to really work to not have life be about us. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to not have your life be about you, isn't it? Have you noticed that? Because you are you. And we think that way, but really ultimately need to have our life become about God about the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what our lives need to become about. But we have a really strong pull the other direction. 
comes very, very natural to us. And so the challenge is to ask you this, is, as you're thinking about your Christian life, as we're going through these sermons, anytime you're reading a book, listening to the radio, watching some TV, and you're thinking about your Christian life, do you have the right motives? Do you have the right motives? In other words, are you, are you looking to these things for the right reasons? Now, you see, this is why Jesus. See, that's the question. Why Jesus? Because we got to make sure we're getting this right, the right focus, the right reasons, following the Lord for the right reasons. Now, do you, have you ever noticed that it's easy to get it wrong? Am I the only one? I mean, you know, what is the default position? The default position goes back to, wait a minute, what's going to make my life easier here? What's going to make my life more comfortable here? What's going to make me feel better about myself and what's happening? That's our default position. We come by that naturally. We got that from our first ancestor. Okay? In fact, if you think about it, Adam, in the Garden of Eden there, what did Adam do? Adam made a decision that what he thought would be good for him was more important than honoring God by obeying him. Now, as Christians, we never do that, do we? Well, the problem is we do, and very often we kind of reshape it to make it look like we're doing what's right for the right reasons, when in reality we aren't. But so we inherit this tendency from Adam to, you know, to line up life for me which is what he did and where he started. So let's look at a report card today for Adam, okay? And we're also gonna look at a report card for the second Adam. Let me just talk a little bit about this. Adam, we call him the first Adam. This is the Adam of Genesis, the, the, the first man that God created, the one who, who sinned, and we all have experienced the, the results of that in our own lives and in our world. Uh, but he was our representative. He was the... the the representative for all of humanity, the first man that God made, he was the representative for all of us. And so what he chose to do has affected all of us. It has impacted all of us. And, and we have inherited from him this, this problem. Well, the Bible also talks about Jesus being the second Adam. There's, where Adam messed it up, Jesus has come to get it right and to be our representative in that. And I don't want to go too deep in that theology of that, but I want you to see this. When it comes to the course, getting it right, Adam got a big red F on his report card, right? He failed totally. Because of that, sin entered the world. And every one of us since then have been born uh, in op with a, a nature that's in opposition to God and is very self-focused. And so we inherited from Adam those things. And then we inherited them and we acted on them ourselves, didn't we? You know, we, we followed his example right on down. And even as Christians, even if you're saved for a long time and you're trying to walk with the Lord, it can still come back to you and, and, and grip you that all of a sudden it's about you again. It's not about Christ. Well, that sin and then our sin has separated us from God. And this is where we talk about the gospel, uh, the beginning point of the gospel, that we have sinned against God, every one of us. Well, Jesus brought the solution to that. The second Adam brought the solution. He got an A plus because he lived a perfect and sinless life. 
He, he never once sinned, never once wanted to sin. And his only really personal experience with sin is when he hung on the cross, dying, paying the penalty for our sins. He did that, paid the penalty in full, rose from the dead. And he says when we receive Christ as Savior, we place our faith in Christ as Savior. He forgives every sin, every sin, ever have or ever will committed. He uh, gives you eternal life. When this life is over, you're gonna just go on living with Jesus. And then he comes to live inside of you and begins changing you from the inside out. The second Adam got it right. See, he made a way for us, didn't he? He made the way for us to be saved and to have a relationship with God. He made a way for us for our lives to be changed. But he did more than just make a way for us. He also showed us the way. Showed us how do we live differently. Not only we've sinned and we have to be saved, but now how do we live differently now? How are we supposed to live? And so when you look at this report card, Adam and, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me back up just a second. Did you ever have in school, there were students who were really, you said, I ought never follow that student's example? How many of you were that student? Oh, no, okay. Yeah, it was one or two of you admit to that. We know we don't want to follow the example. We want to follow the student who does well. And so this is where the Bible says, talking about Jesus, he says, let this mind be in you. Jesus' approach to these things. And that's what we want to take a look at today in the Word of God. So let's go to the, to the book of Philippians in the New Testament. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 2. We encourage you to follow along with us. If, if you don't have a Bible with you today, it's, you can take that one in the pew. It's page 1349. Because what we see here is this mind of Christ that we need to have. And why Jesus is so important uh, to us and all this. Not only does he save us, but he shows us how to live this life the right way. And here in Philippians chapter 2, again, page 1349 in the Pew Bible. Uh, the Philippians were a really good church. In other words, they were doing what God wanted them to do for the most part. They uh, had a good reputation. But there were still some people who were having a hard time getting along. We know about that, don't we? <laughs> and so they were having a little bit of a hard time getting along, and Paul's saying, hey, you've got to live together in love. You've got to, to uh, look at each other more highly, all these kinds of things. And then we get down to verse number five, and he says this. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Okay, so this mind, this uh, uh, a way of looking at things, how we view things, what our perspective is on life and how to live it. Let this mind be in you which is in Christ Jesus. How did he do this? Well, let's read on. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. So let's stop there for just a moment. The, the Son of God, back up, God. How many gods? One. One true God. He exists somehow, a little beyond our the ability to understand it, but he exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We call that the Trinity. And Father, Son, Holy Spirit have existed always and always will. One God, three persons, the Bible talks about that. So, the Father is God. The Son is God. The Holy Spirit is God. 
All right, so what it's saying about the Son of God, the one who became a man, who became the man Jesus, that he was what? Being in the form of God. And when he says the form of God, he doesn't mean sort of like God. Here's the deal. If you are in the form of God, that means that you know what God knows, you can do what God does, you have the nature that God has, and if all those things are true, you are what? God, okay? And so what he's saying here is that the Son of God, before he ever became the man Jesus, before he was ever born, as we celebrate on Christmas, that he was God, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. And again, this idea of robbery, when somebody robs you, what do they do? They take something from you that isn't rightfully theirs. And saying that wasn't what Jesus did. When Jesus said he's God, he wasn't taking something that didn't belong to him. It did belong to him because he was God. And so what we want to see is that here he is, the son of God in heaven. And then he comes to earth, becomes a man. Let's read the next verse. But made himself of no reputation. And this idea of reputation, the word really means here emptying yourself of. And what it means here is he emptied himself of acting as God on his own. Let me see if I can just clear this up with you. When Jesus became a man, excuse me, Jesus was a man. When the Son of God became a man, the Bible teaches us, as we read through, it's very clear that he was completely God. And he was just as completely human. And he did that so he could be our representative and die for us on the cross. But he was fully God. But here's the thing that was different. When, here he is, he's, he's a, a man, he has a body, he has a soul, he has a spirit, and he's still God. And can God do anything that he chooses to do? He can, but as the Son of God, when he became a man, how should a man live? A man should live submitted to God, right? A man should be yielded to God. And so what Jesus did is he gave up this use of his powers unless, as a human being, the Father told him to do something. And so this is what Jesus says repeatedly. He says, I always do what the Father tells me to do. I show you what the Father has shown me. I tell you what he has told me. He says, I always do those things that please the Father. Because, see, that's the way we're supposed to live, and that's the way he lived. So he set aside this use. It's hard. I have a hard time explaining this to you, partly because of me and partly because it's hard to explain. All right? But as a human being, he yielded himself fully to his heavenly father without giving up the fact that he was the son of God. And so what he did is he took the form of a bondservant. That means he became a servant to his father and to his fellow man and coming in the likeness of men. So that is the whole story, what we call the incarnation, the son of God becoming a man. So do you see that Jesus let go? of all the things that were rightfully his in order to accomplish the Father's will. Do you see how he did that? He, he left heaven. He let go of heaven. He let go of the independent use of his powers. He let go of those things. He let go of his rights. If anybody had a right not to be treated wrongly, it was Jesus. He let go of those things to become our Savior. 
And then continues verse eight, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So as I've already said, as a man, he, he humbles himself before God and he says, I'm only doing what the Father wants me to do. I'm going to obey the Father. Okay, but it's gonna require you to die. I'm obeying the Father. Well, it's worse than that. It's gonna be the death of the cross, which means you are going to have to bear the guilt, the penalty, the blame for the sins of everyone who has ever lived or ever will live. Yeah, I came to obey. I came to do it. Jesus was willing to do whatever. Whatever it took, didn't matter. You see that? And he did, and we know the story. He died for our sins, rose again. I already talked about that, and he, he accomplished what his father had sent him to do, and he accomplished it because he yielded himself to the father in all of those ways. He let go of all the things that were rightfully his. He, he was willing to obey even to the worst possible way. And then it says, here's what happened. Verse nine, therefore... God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. <laughs> Jesus did not worry about exalting himself but God exalted him. See that? Jesus made himself of no reputation to follow the Lord. God gave him the greatest reputation of all. God took care of all that stuff. And here's where this starts to come together for us. Because when, at the beginning when I was talking about, oh, it's so important, I, I, I need my life to make sense, therefore I'm gonna start with God. And, and what I'm saying to you is what Jesus did this mindset, we would say, know what? I am starting with God. And I'm not gonna worry about anything else. I'm gonna put God first and give him that place in my life. And then if verse number uh, nine were being written about us, it would say, and God made sense of your life. Do you see the difference? One is about it has to be for me and what I need, and, and, and then... That doesn't work. Instead, we say, no, God, this is about you. I want to do what you want me to do. I want to do it the way you want me to do I want you to be glorified right here at the very end, you know, to the glory of God. I want to do that. And then God, and, and, in other words, we quit worrying about all that other stuff, and God takes care of all that other stuff. He, he makes your life make sense. He enables you to benefit from the Bible. So let this mind be in you. Look at life the way the Lord Jesus Christ did. So let's see if we can summarize that for ourselves here. If you have the mind of Christ and it is, is governing you and how you're approaching life, what you're gonna find is you, you will be letting go of everything. If you're gonna live the way God is telling you to live here, you need to let go of everything. This means you may have to let go of possessions. It actually doesn't mean you may have to. You do actually have to let go. It doesn't mean God takes them away from you. But you, you know what I mean? 
All in life, we tend to find things that we do what? We hold on to them. Are you with me on that? We, we like it. This is important. We hold on to it. And God says, no, you, if you're going to have the mind of Christ, you have to let go of all those things and leave that to God. What is it today that if, 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 if you... If, is there something in your life today that if God said to you, you need to let go of that, would you struggle? Is there something like that in your life today? Because if there's something like that that you struggle, if you think, man, I'll let go of anything, but not that, guess what you need to let go of? That. You know, an example for uh, me, and I, I think I've talked about this before, but back in the late 1990s, uh, God began to work in my life, in, in my wife's life, talk and things, and it just became so clear that I needed to move from the position I was in as associate pastor at this church into a different role, into a senior pastor role, to, to be able to do the things that God was putting in my heart. And that meant that we had to leave. And, and we wrestled with it because that, that meant we had to let go of our home. We had to let go of our church family. We had to let go of our friends. We had to let go of everything that we had become comfortable with and loved. We had to let go. And I mean, we just cried. And, and we cried. We were willing. We finally, you know, yes, we want to do. We want to do whatever God wants to do, but let go. And then God didn't take it away. That's another story. But I'm, what is there in your life today that you need to let go of? You need to be willing to do that. If you don't, it's not going to work. And then, so we, letting go of everything. And the second thing is willing to do anything. Jesus, willing to die the death of the cross. Are you willing to do anything today that God would tell you to do? Are you willing to do anything? Really? I want you to think right now about your life and think, what, you know, God, I will do anything, but please don't ask me to do that. Can you think of something like that? Is there somebody maybe that you, you know, there's a problem there or a relationship you need to end or something you need? Right now, just can you quietly before God think, God, what is there that I need to be willing to do that really I'm not very willing to do right now? And let God challenge you about that. If you're gonna have, to, if you're gonna have the mind of Christ and, and, and live the kind of life that glorifies God, you have to be willing to do anything that he would lead you to do. And here's the third thing. You need to do all of this Worrying about nothing. Jesus did all of this. Didn't worry about what the results be. You know, we use a lot of Andy Stanley's videos here, but it's his dad, Charles Stanley, who I've heard repeatedly say over the years, you obey God, you do what God says, and you leave the consequences to him. And if you're going to live the mind of Christ, that's what you have to do. I'm not going to worry about any of that. 
I'm not going to worry what people are going to think. I'm not going to worry how it's going to affect my finances. I'm not going to worry about what it's going to require me in my life. You know, if, if God is, is leading me and saying, I want, you to go, I want you to go become a missionary to some place in the world where nobody wants to go, and I'm willing to, I've already let go of stuff, I'm willing to go, and I'm not going to worry about what the consequences are. I'm going to leave that to God. And the good news is that when you leave it to God, he knows how to take care of things. He knows how to take care of it. That's when it says, God highly exalted Jesus. He will work in your life when you do what you know it is that he wants you to do and when you let go of what you know you need to let go of. So let this mind be in you. Letting go of everything. Willing to do anything. Worrying about nothing. And glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ with your life because of it. We're going to pray here in just a moment. And Matt, if we could, when we're done praying, Matt, if we could, you could come back up here and grab your guitar and, and let's sing a verse and a chorus of uh, He is Stronger. Because here's the thing. You know, here we are today saying, okay, yes, I'll let go of everything and I, I'm willing to do anything and I'm not going to worry about anything, worry about nothing. But the, 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 the truth is that you can't do that on your own. You don't have the strength because you'll turn back. You don't have that ability in and of yourself. The only way this can become a reality is if this day, right now, you, you yield to God completely and say, oh, God, I want to do this. I need to do this. It's right to glorify you in this way. But God, you know me. Unless you work in my life, Father, it's not going to happen. Good news. He's stronger than you are. He can bring it about in your life. Father, we come before you now. now and we, we thank you that your son has not only made a way for us, but he has shown us the way, Lord. And this, this way... Uh, to our natural selves, Father, seems hard and difficult and harsh. And, but, Father, give us the eyes to see that this is the life of blessing. And, and not that we're, we don't want to be doing it just to bless us, but, Father, help us to see that when we put you first, when we give you your rightful place in our lives, that you exalt us. We humble ourselves under, for you, and you lift us up. You meet our needs. You take care of all those things that we so worry about and really have no control over. So I pray today, Father, each of us here would look at our lives and say, what do I need to be let go of? And tell you today that we let go of it. What do we need to be willing to do? And to tell you that we're willing to do that. And what is it that we're worrying about and that's preventing us from taking that step that we would let go of? We'd worry about nothing and just leave all of that to you. Oh God, do a work in us. Be glorified in us here today. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.